We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 3. We've been walking through uh, this book uh, for a few weeks and uh, just excited about where we are. I encourage you to read along with us as we go. We're 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, right at the top of the chapter. And this morning, uh, my sermon title is uh, How the Family Rolls. How the Family Rolls. How does your family roll? And uh, so, so I, I was reading this week and I read a story about a guy named Slats Grubnick. And uh, uh, he's a fellow from Chicago, and what he did and what he does is he sells Christmas trees uh, during that time of year, has a lot. And, uh, and there was one particular Christmas where this fellow had a young couple uh, who didn't have much, came by the lot. In fact, it was recently, and uh, three bucks. And so you, you say, man, three bucks won't buy you a branch. But uh, uh, they had three dollars, and they came onto his lot, and they asked him, you know, is there anything that, that he had? And so, you know, back at the back, they had the throwaway trees, the Charlie Brown trees and uh, at the back of the lot. And he said, I'll give you two of those for the three dollars. And so they took the two trees and were very gracious and uh, invited him, told him where they lived, said, come on by here, come by the house, love to have you at our home for, uh, just for a visit. And so uh, a couple days went by and he decided to swing by their house. And when he walked by their house, he noticed in their front window an amazing tree sitting in the window. And, uh, and, and there was a part of him that looked at the tree and he kind of was like, Man, where'd he get that tree? You know, they took my two for three bucks and then they got a tree like that. And I uh, went inside and when he, when, when he started talking, he said, where'd you get that tree over there? And he said, and, and, and the young couple looked at him and said, hey, that's, that's actually the two trees that you gave us. And we put the bad sides back to back, wired them together and decorated it. And, uh, and they were so excited. And uh, where the two trees became one and made something incredibly beautiful, flaws and all. And, and, and that's kind of, kind of what it looks like when we're talking about marriage. Uh, back in the book of Genesis, when you're talking about marriage, uh, when God created Adam, when you read the story, God created Adam. And, uh, and he looked upon Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so the Bible says that God created a helpmate, somebody to complete him, come alongside of him, make him a better man. And, uh, and, and brought woman into his life. He established the family unit. And, uh, and I'm grateful to God for the family unit that God has not only uh, des- designed, he's also defined it. But when you're talking about this morning, we're talking about family units. We're talking about how the family rolls. And, uh, and, and so it's a shame that we're living in a day where when we start talking about the home and when we start talking about the family, we have to define what are we talking about? Because you can't use these principles to apply to whatever you decide your family to be. Uh, The Bible is very clear when you're talking about a family. What is a family? Well, what a family is, it begins with one man and one woman. That is a family. Anything else, anything other than that is not family. We say, well, we have a new kind of family, one man and one man. Well, no, the Bible says that's homosexuality. That's not a family. And so this morning, I just need to be clear that what we're talking about today is the family unit. And, uh, and, so, and so there has been, again, assaults on what's happening uh, 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 to, to 
to the family unit. In fact, the family unit's been under assault for a long time in a lot of different directions. Uh, so, many, so many family units falling apart. You know, God intended for one man to be with one woman till death do us part. And, uh, and, 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 and we've, we've, we're now living in a day where it's like marriage is disposable. I mean, if I get tired of it, just shuck it and, and, and move to the next. And, and, and in the Bible, really, there's only three uh, biblical reasons for uh, remarriage. And, in other words, when you're looking through Scripture, he only says there's only three opportunities to remarry, so make sure you're making the most of the one you got. Uh, uh, because, because one would be death, uh, in the event of death, another would be uh, divorce uh, uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a lost spouse. We're gonna cover that this morning. If the lost spouse says, I want out, uh, we have the opportunity to remarry or adultery. My spouse uh, commits adultery. I'm permitted, I'm permitted, not commanded anywhere in scripture, but permitted to remarriage. And that's the only three biblical opportunities for remarriage. And so we got to be careful. In fact, uh, if, you, if you're talking to our church, our church staff, uh, uh, we embrace that. We practice that. What do you mean by practice that? Meaning, meaning I'm not just a pastor for hire. I can't perform a wedding for people that don't have a biblical basis for getting married. And so, and so we have to be careful and, and, and make sure we understand where we're coming from. Uh, but not only, not only have we seen the disintegration, but even an assault with cohabitation, uh, that's a practice that we have when we uh, shack up together, that's the way you put it. Uh, when, 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 when we're wanting the benefits of marriage without the commitment, uh, not recognizing the covenant of what marriage is all about. And so when you, we, we, we like to sugarcoat it and say, oh, they're cohabitating. That's just how it works these days. We're just practicing. Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, the, the Bible calls that fornication. And so, and so it's not marriage. It's not a precursor to marriage. And so be careful what we do. But when you're talking about a biblical marriage, <clears throat> you know, God also says, I want you to be equally yoked, equally yoked together. And, uh, and so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so when you're talking about marriage, the most intimate of relationships, we can't be unequally yoked. And so again, uh, a believer with a non-believer. And, uh, and so because, because things don't work, practically it's difficult uh, this is one that I've been taken to task on uh, with different people I, I, because I, here's, here's where my position is. I, I want to encourage people. I want to encourage our young people. Uh, uh, you, you, don't, you don't even get into dating relationships with an unbeliever. Uh, you don't, because you're giving your heart away to somebody that God says it's not time yet. Does that mean I have nothing to do with them? No, man, intentionality. I, I want a relationship, not a boyfriend, girlfriend, but I want a relationship, a friendship where I can show you Jesus and, and, and share Jesus Christ with you. But once you've given your heart, what happens oftentimes is you enter into marriage unequally yoked and it just doesn't work out. What's gonna happen with the children? You say, man, I'm a believer and, and, and the greatest thing I pray for for my kids is that they would walk with Jesus Christ. But if I'm married to somebody that's not saved, they don't give a flip. And it's difficult to work those things out. Had a lady married over 60 years and a visitor in the hospital and uh, uh, just before she passed, in fact. Uh, and she said, I, the one thing I disagree, this was, one, this was the thing she disagreed with me on. One thing I disagree with you on. 
And that is, I believe marriage can work between Christian and non-Christian. Me and my husband have been married over 60 years. So, they had five kids. Not one were saved. If that's successful, now I didn't say that to her, but I'm just saying, it creates issues. It creates issues, unequally yoked. <clears throat> and so this morning, having already covered that, we're getting into a text of scripture that's gonna talk about what happens when you are bound to an unbeliever specifically. But when you're talking about God's design and God's uh, defined these roles, how to family roles and the different roles of marriage, know this, know this, that it's God's plan for you to prosper you. In fact, Jesus over in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And we see that happening. We see that happening in homes and marriages uh, but Jesus said, but I have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So the question has to be asked when, when, when you're talking about God's define and uh, definition of marriage and roles for marriage and design for marriage, uh, he has given us a handbook for marriage. And if it's his desire that it's abundant, then, then, then why are so many marriages just simply enduring or disintegrating? Why, why, why is that? And, and I think that the answer is basically authority. I know scripture has roles, but I'm gonna do it my way. And so this morning we have options. We, we have options. I'll do it my way, or I'll do it the way of the one who actually designed the family. And so God help us <clears throat> to understand how the family rolls uh, this morning. First Peter chapter three, verse number one and following, the Bible says this, <clears throat> in the same way, so it's a reference backwards, we're gonna go there in just a minute. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be one without a word by uh, the behavior of their wives. And uh, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment uh, must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing jewelry, uh, gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart uh, with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And, and by the way, don't check out this morning. I'm not asking you to call your husband Lord, all right? Uh, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker since she is a woman, and, and, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. And so this morning, just talking about it, uh, addressing a specific situation here. So, so we're talking first century and, uh, and what's happening here is, is, is the, the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are getting saved. And so, and so other parts of scripture already tell us we're not to be unequally yoked. 
And so what's happening here? Well, what's happening is he's saying, hey, suppose you and your husband got married and along the way you got saved and, and now you're, you're a Christian and he's not. And so there was some struggle taking place. Like, how do I fulfill my God-given roles in a family if my husband's not the spiritual leader in a home? What's it supposed to look like? What am I supposed to do? Do I divorce? Do I leave? What do I do in that situation? And so, and so here, uh, Peter writes and he says, well, here's, here's, here's the roles that we're to fulfill. And, and, and really, you know what he does? He doesn't even change the roles that were given, by the way, by the apostle Paul back in Ephesians. And so, and so when you look at it, he says, there's a couple of things that I want to address. And by the way, when you look at this, it's interesting because he goes six verses talking about women and he spends one on the men. It doesn't mean that we don't need most help. <laughs> I promise you. But he says, first of all, your conduct. He says, be, be submissive. And, 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 and so be submissive. What do you mean to be submissive? Uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? Sometimes we struggle with that word, uh, submissive. A couple of weeks ago, a uh, whole sermon uh, of, of the previous chapter was on submission for the sake of souls. In other words, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's a ranking. It has to do really ultimately uh, with leadership. It has to do with roles and how things function and how things work together. And so he gives reference. He says, in the same way. So who's he referring to? If you look back at 1 Peter chapter 2 and, and, and you read from verse 21 and following, his example is that of Jesus Christ, the Son to the Father. That's the example. In the same way, in the same way as Jesus Christ is submissive to the Father. Now, let me ask you this question. If we are all Christians or, or whoever has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in his building is saved, born again. When we talk about God Almighty, we talk about triune God. That's Christian theology. What do you mean triune God? That means uh, God is three persons and yet one. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now let me ask this question. Is any of them inferior to the other? It has nothing to do with inferiority. It has everything to do with the position that you have been given so that we work together. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one, we're one. So when we're talking about this issue of submission, we're not talking about anything inferior. We're just simply saying that, hey, listen, <clears throat> there is, there is a, a, a role to fulfill. And so when you're talking about marriage, there, there, there are specific roles for us to fulfill. Uh, there's different thoughts, uh, a line of thoughts out there. Uh, in other words, there's really two. When you're talking about the roles of husbands and wives, there's two lines of thought uh, that, that, that we recognize. One of them would be uh, egalitarians. What are egalitarians? What does that mean? Well, an egalitarian is, is a person who would subscribe to the thought that, hey, we're equal in all things. And so when you're talking about any roles given in the New Testament, those are culturally relevant and they're out of date and out of place in our world today. So we don't believe in those roles, but rather everything is all equal today, egalitarian. And then you have another line of thought and that would be complementarian. What is a complementarian? A complementarian would be one that says, hey, we are equal in essence. We are equally created. We are equal in value. However, God has 
assigned roles to the family unit. And I believe they're still just as relevant today as they were when they were written because we would call ourselves a New Testament church. And the reason why we would go there is because if I begin to say, hey, this no longer applies to us, I've just removed New Testament authority from my life. And so what am I? I'm a complementarian. Uh, why? Because I'm a biblicist. Uh, I'm a New Testament Christian. And so, and so when you're talking about uh, this idea of equal in all things, the Bible tells us clearly, Galatians chapter number three, verse number 28, Galatians three and verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. Uh, you are all one in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, we're equal in essence. And so when you're talking submission, submission is, is, is all about leadership in the home. It's all about roles to fulfill. And, and in any, any organization, in any and every organization, you gotta have leadership and God entrusts that to the man. And, uh, and, and, and so not because we're better, but just because he's God and he designed it, therefore he defines it. Ephesians five tells us in verse number 22 and 23. Ephesians five, verses 22 and 23. The Bible says, wives, be subject uh, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. And so we're talking leadership. And so when you're talking about these roles, I want to encourage you this morning. Hey, hey, be careful uh, because in fact, let me just go ahead and, and, and just share. When you're talking marriage relationship and when you're talking about this text of scripture, it's not my job to teach my wife submissiveness. And it's not the wife's job to teach her husband leadership. I can't change her, she can't change me, but I can say, I wanna be the best man that God's created me to be. My wife can say, I wanna be the best woman that I can be. And together we can say, we wanna have the best family that God has ever created. God help us to fulfill our God-given roles. And so it has to do with leadership. Now, let me, let me just encourage here uh, because, because it's so important that we understand roles in the family and how it's supposed to work because a lot of times what happens is people will begin dating relationships and they'll say, well, they're not that person. He's not that man yet, but he'll be one day. I hope he becomes one one day. You're not gonna change him. So what I wanna encourage you to do is, is, is this. What's the key? What's the key? The key is this, if the man is doing his job right, the woman will find incredible joy in doing her job. It's a man's job. And so, and so let, me just, let me just encourage, especially young people, when you're talking about potential mates one day, uh, you find somebody to say, I could follow them. If I'm, a, if I'm a wife, if I'm a wife, I'm gonna find me a man that I can follow. I'm gonna find me a man that I can follow. And so, and so when you're talking submission, uh, so, so he says, first of all, your conduct, uh, verse number one, to be submissive, but not only to be submissive, here he goes on in verse number one, and he says this, and he's dealing with a specific situation. If any one of them is disobedient to the word, what do you mean that? Uh, that means if they're not saved, if they're not born again, they haven't come to a saving knowledge, they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. if they're disobedient to the word, that they may be one without a word, 
by the behavior of their wives. And, uh, and, and just be careful. If you have a KJV, it says without uh, the word. And, uh, and there is no definite article. Uh, and so what you have to do is recognize it's, that's really wrong. Uh, it's without a word. It's because, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so even in the KJV, they're not saying, hey, without word of God. Uh, but at the end of the day, what are they saying? What's he saying here? No one's ever gone to heaven because they've been nagged there. That's what he's saying. So no, nobody, so, so be careful uh, to be silent, to be silent. Be careful with the not so subtle subtleties. What do you mean by that? Not so subtle subtleties. Meaning this, man, I, I'm, I'm just gonna listen to a sermon that I really like and I think my husband's gonna like it, but I'm gonna turn it up loud enough where he can hear it in the other room. Well, that's, that's a not so subtle subtlety. Uh, uh, you know, he, he has his beer in the, in, in, in the refrigerator. You don't go stick John three sixteen on his beer can. Uh, not so subtle subtlety. Uh, you know, I, I'm just saying, not, not, not through nagging. It's interesting because I, I've been there. Uh, I was visiting in a home. I was visiting in a home and uh, because, because the husband wasn't saved and she, the wife was asking if we could come for a visit and I did, and, and, and it was an incredible time to go there and uh, enjoyed being in the home. But while I was there in the home, what happened to me is, is all of a sudden she whipped out notes and started preaching my sermon to her husband while I was sitting there. <laughs> you said this, right? <laughs> That's what she said. You said this. I said, well, well Mark told me what to say. But, <laughs> but listen, what Peter is simply saying is this. You show them, G, you, you, your life is a living sermon to your unbelieving spouse. Your lifestyle. He, he, he's gonna see the difference. Through conversation, he knows, man, I'm, I'm saved and I have that privilege and opportunity. You're looking for opportunity to, to invite. And it's amazing to see what God can do. I, I've met people who build walls uh, because, because why? Because, man, every chance a spouse has, we're trying to preach. And it's like, no, the Bible says, be silent. Be silent. Be careful. And, and it's amazing. I tell you, we had a, I've seen a picture of this play out. Uh, uh, when I was in Orlando, Florida, we had a lady who was, was uh, married. She actually, this scenario, she got saved after they were married and was on fire for Jesus Christ, excited about her relationship, and her husband would have nothing to do with the church. In fact, he was a, he was a fellow that was kind of hard. He was a hard man uh, to the extent that he said, hey, I want dinner at the house whenever I get home. That was the kind of man he was. And, uh, and, so, and so she came, she shared. We were in youth ministry. I, I wanna serve Jesus, I wanna serve Jesus. So she would get up early on Wednesday mornings, early on Wednesday mornings and fix uh, snacks for our teenagers. And on her way home from work, she would come by because she didn't have time to come because her husband expected her to be home and have the meal on the table when he got home. And so she would come by my office every Wednesday afternoon and drop off snacks for the teenagers because I wanna just be some hands and feet. I just wanna serve Jesus along the way and she was submissive she was quiet and she would pray and she would weep for her husband but she didn't preach to him she just lived the life and man I'm telling you it took many many years but a couple of years ago uh, we got a phone call and she said you never guess you never guess what happened my husband finally came and he got saved life changed today they're serving together Jesus Christ principle works 
God says, here's how it works. Here's how it works in the home. Be careful along the way. And so he says, make sure that your conduct, that you pay attention to your conduct. But then he goes on in verse number three, and he says this, your your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses. And so he's dealing with clothing or that external issue. And and he says this, he says, by the way, pay attention to what he's saying here, because, because there are some people that look at this verse of scripture and they'll equate homeliness to holiness. And that's not what he's saying. In fact, pay attention, he says merely, merely. What does that mean? It means it's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself on the outside. Aren't you thankful for makeup? Uh, Men, don't say amen right there, all right? Uh, we're, we're, We're thankful for those things. We're thankful to take care of ourselves on the outside. But listen, keep your priorities straight. I mean, if beauty's only skin deep, that doesn't last very long. So God help us to recognize. And that's what he's saying. Don't merely, don't merely go over there. He's saying the most important part, the most important part of you is what's happening on the inside and not on the outside. And so be careful, be careful. Uh, in fact, I, just, just, just encouraging, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, obviously we all know guys are, guys are very visual. We are, we're visual people. And, uh, and, and so I just wanna say, especially to our younger people and older people, it doesn't matter, age doesn't matter, because I've seen it all, and you have too. If you're, if you're a lady, be careful how you dress. Can I tell you something? You can dress in a seductive way that every man's head will turn and look your way. But they're not looking for the right reason sometimes. And if all I'm doing is trying to flaunt the physical... God help me. He says, those things things are on the outside. Be careful how you deal with the outside, but focus on the inside. And the inside is what matters most. Your character matters most. You can turn a man's, hey, you can turn a man's head. But if your character is where it ought to be, you can capture his heart. And that's what Peter's saying. Focus, focus on character. He goes from the external, verse three, four, five, and six, he starts dealing with the internal character. He says in verse number four, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, to their own husbands, talking family relationships here. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. And so he's just talking again about character. And, uh, and when you're talking about character and what's going on on the inside, <clears throat> he's describing, I believe, meekness, uh, uh, meek character. Uh, what is meek character? It means it's, it's strength under control. It means I don't have to be first, even if I'm most gifted. 
That's what that means, a, a, a quiet and a gentle spirit. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. I, I am incredibly grateful this morning. In fact, uh, I, I want to encourage you to really get into the word. I'm, 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 I'm just a man like anybody else in this building in the process, in the process. I hadn't arrived. And, and, and this week, I can tell you, I've been studying and I've been really focusing on, I wanna be a better husband. I do. And God helped me to be a better husband. But he, but he, says, he says, hey, wives, pay attention to your character. What do you mean by character? I'm so, I'm so blessed this morning. I'm so thankful this morning. My wife is one who is, uh, my wife, Bonnie. I, I, I was thinking this week when I was thinking about this portion and, and just thinking, man, she is so gifted. Uh, she's more articulate than me. She's better looking than me. <laughs> she's smarter than me. She's more organized than me. I don't know of anything, really, honestly, I don't know of any one thing that I'm better than her at. So I kind of got jealous. No, not really. I'm just very blessed. But can I tell you, and, and, and I mean that with all my heart. I, I, I'm, I'm sincere. I'm not just making that up. I'm not just preaching. <laughs> I really do. She's better than me at so many things. But she chooses submission in our relationship. She doesn't try to fix me. She doesn't try to correct me. She says, I just want to bring honor to you. Not because I'm honorable. Not because I deserve it. But that's the God-given role that he has for her. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm so thankful to God for that. Does it mean I'm better? No, I'm not. I'm not any better at all. But she's embraced that and she has a quiet and submissive spirit. And I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> it's an incredible blessing in my life to have a wife uh, who supports me in that way. <clears throat> For me, per and this is just personal. I wanna honor the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. But there's nothing like uh, knowing that I honored my wife. Uh, nothing like it. <clears throat> and, and although you preach and you're in front of people and you talk, at the end of the day, in fact, Sundays, at the end of Sundays, there's nothing better than hearing from my wife. Loved you today. Did a good job today. Sometimes I think she's lying. But <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a book, His Needs, Her Needs. Some of y'all might be familiar with the book. If you're not, I'd encourage you to read it. Willard Harley Jr. wrote it, His Needs, Her Needs. And, 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 and do you know, uh, what he did is he did this study, over 50,000 different questionnaires, questions to men and women. And, and, he, and he boiled down and said, here's, here's the five greatest needs, generally speaking, that men have in their marital relationships. Uh, and, and, and do you know that number one, do you know that number one that a man needs from his wife is admiration? Admiration? I mean, I mean, you can say, well, fooey on that. I mean, you can say that if you want, but I'm telling you right now, a, a man wants to know that, hey, I'm Superman to my wife. <laughs> and, 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 and can I just share with you, I don't know why I'm going here but um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of young couples. I've seen a lot of young couples who really struggle a lot in marriage. 
And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that many have in common is this one. My daddy is still Superman and my husband's just Robin over there. My daddy's Batman, but my husband's Robin. It's about leaving and cleaving. It's about recognizing my husband. My husband is the one I want to honor. Doesn't mean he's always honorable, but it means that's my job, to build him up, to build him up. And I'm grateful to God to be able to say I have a wife like that. It's interesting when you look at this passage of Scripture because he uses an illustration the illustration, he goes back in the Old Testament. Says, he says, think about Sarah, Sarah and Abraham, Sarah and Abraham. You look back at Sarah and Abraham and their story, and they weren't perfect people. They weren't perfect people. Both of them made major, major mistakes along the way. But he uses them. Why did he use them? Because her heart was in the right place. Sometimes she did the wrong things. I mean, my husband, my husband, I want him to have a, a son along the way and gives him a concubine to have a child with. Well, that's not the way God planned it. But her heart was saying, I want to honor my husband. Now, again, that's not to take and say, oh, let me give my husband. That's not what I'm saying. But the spirit of the heart was saying, I want to honor my husband. And that's what Peter's saying. Wives, we have a role to fulfill. Honor my husband along the way. And then, and then he goes on into verse number seven and deals with the husbands. And he says, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. You have a role and obligation before God. Live with her in an understanding way as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself you know, when you're talking about your own bodies, I, I, I was, he, he's using a, 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 just an illustration, just saying, hey, listen, <clears throat> you need to understand, understand, know what the strengths are, know what the weaknesses are, just like you do your own body. And so and this week, you know, this week I went out there and played softball with our younger guys. And, and this morning I <laughs> can't hardly walk because I messed up my leg. And... Um, but you know what that did to me is I was thinking about that and my whole body, my whole body understands that my hamstring this morning ain't right. And so the rest of the body understands. And so it's making up for an issue that I have right now. Why? Because I'm a body. I'm one. And he's saying, husbands, live your, with your wife in an understanding way. That, that, you know what that means? That means as a husband, I need to be a lifelong learner. I need to be a lifelong learner, studying my wife. Do, do you know what her desires are? Do you know what her likes are? Do you know what, her, what, what really moves her? Your wife. Do you know? I mean, I mean there's a lot of things. I, I'm thankful for my wife. And, and, and like, for example, I know, I, know, I know that when she's stressed, she does retail therapy. She calls it retail therapy, shopping. <laughs> and that's cool. So we'll support her in that. And, and, and really, I try to, I really do. And, and if a store has a bench up in the front, man, it really makes it nice. <laughs> it does. But seriously, 
What is it? What is it? Do I want to go there? No, but I know she does. And that's so simple. That's so simple. But sacrificing on behalf of my wife, recognizing, man, there's some things that I want to do for her along the way. Uh, when you're talking about, again, his needs, her needs, uh, same, same, same book, same author, uh, looking at the wife and talking about the wife's needs, came up with the top five. Two of the top five, the first one had to do with affection. The second had to do with conversation. And we're not very good usually at either one of those. You gotta work at it. You gotta work at it. I mean, affection. You know, it, it's interesting because a lot of times when we start out, you know, when you start out in the beginning, in the beginning, uh, you're affectionate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're, you're sensitive to her. You're paying attention to her. You're opening the doors for her and, 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 and you're communicating with her. And, and, and then sometimes if you're not careful, that just kind of fades away, you know? In fact, if it's a hot day, the only reason you open the door is so she'll open yours and let the car cool down before you get in there. You know, I mean, things change along the way. We, we, we do those things. But, you know, they, God, help me to be a conversationalist. Help me to listen. How many times do you go in a conversation, and I'm talking to myself, how many times do you go in a conversation and my wife talks to me, and then I'm like, yeah, 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 and then I'm like, three minutes later, she's looking at me, and I know, man, I must have just missed that. Did, what did you just say? Have you ever, have you ever, am I the only one that does that? Thank you for your honesty, Bo. <laughs> Not to call you out, but you raised your hand. But you know what he says here? What, what's what he says? He says, live with her in an understanding way because why? She's the weaker vessel. You know, a lot of times we say, man, what, what is that about? Is it, she's in fear? Absolutely not. I mean, I mean, when you're talking about a weaker vessel, for example, you go home at, at your house, you might have a $10 frying pan. And then you go into the living room and, 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 and I don't, but maybe you go into the living room and you have a $1,000 vase that came from France. Let me ask you something. Which one's weaker? It's the more valuable the weaker. You know what I believe he's saying? Handle with care. She's the weaker vessel. Doesn't mean she's less valuable. Doesn't mean she's not gifted equally in every way. It means she's precious. Handle with care. Handle with care. God help us. You know, when you're talking about our wives and, 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 and again, I have a, just kind of a renewed sense. I've been, I've been studying this week and, and I think, man, I, I, God, forgive me, forgive me. Uh, I don't ever, ever want to be condescending or demeaning to my wife ever because she needs to be handled with care. And a lot of times, if you're not careful, we can be so cutting to our wife hurtful. And he's saying, hey, husbands, handle with care. She's the weaker vessel. And by the way, you guys are gifts from me to one another. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. She's a gift. You know, <clears throat> A godly spouse 
is an incredible gift from God. <clears throat> it's, 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 a, it's a gift. And so here's the deal. Don't leave today and tell your wife, hey, I'm God's gift to you. Don't forget that. <laughs> In fact, I'd say if you have to make the statement, you're not a very good gift. Your spouse ought to recognize that about you. God help us to fulfill our God-given responsibilities and role. Spiritual leader in the home. He says, hey, if, if your relationship's not right with your wife, do you see what he said? If, if you're not loving your wife and your relationship's not right with your wife, your prayers aren't gonna get answered. I mean, you're, you're praying, but they're bouncing off the ceiling. You got a gift given to you by God. You take care of that gift. God help us. <clears throat> so I wanna ask a question. How's your family rolling? Is it rolling well? Or have the wheels fallen off? So just a question to consider. If you were your spouse, if you were your spouse, why would you want to be married to you? God help me be the man that God Almighty gifted Bonnie with. God help me be the spouse to the one that God gifted you with. God help us. Would you do me a favor and join me for prayer? This morning we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing a song and after the song we'll be down front. And I just want to invite you this morning. You know, this is roles of the family, but can I say that I'll never... One, one could never be the spouse or enjoy the joys of life that God intends for them unless they're first saved. And so this morning, if you've never called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about being religious, but I'm talking about being saved. Hey, God loves you so much. And he desires that you experience an abundant life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and given him your heart to be saved? It's, it's about surrendering to his lordship. If you've never called on his name, I'm inviting you today, call on his name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We'd love to pray with you. So this morning, if you'd like to talk, we're gonna be here after the song. But maybe you're here this morning and say, man, I, I just really want to fall on my knees before the Father and just pray for my family, pray over my family. Man, we're inviting you today. During this song, after this song, you can stop where you are. If you want to come down front at the end and just fall on your knees before the Father and pray over your family, we're inviting you. We're inviting you.
Maybe you're here this morning and saying, man, I'm a husband, but I'm nothing more than a deadbeat daddy because I'm not doing my job. Man, I, I want to encourage you today. Repent. God, from this day forward, I want to be a new man. Maybe your wife, you've struggled with this issue. Oh, just repent. You know, the Bible says that when we repent, there's times of refreshing in the presence of Jesus. So this is your time. Father, thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy. God, I thank you that you designed the family unit. And God, you gave us really a handbook to follow for success. God, help us pay attention to the details. God, open, open our eyes, open my eyes as a husband to the needs of my wife. Help me be understanding. God, if there's anything in my life that I'm not willing to sacrifice, God, I want a willing heart. Help me. God, we love you. We thank you for this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.